0: Hey, welcome back to another exciting episode of Spellstorm Miniatures. My name is Jeremiah, and I'm flying solo today, but I do have an awesome guest that I'm excited to introduce to you all, and that is Stephen McCormick. And Stephen, why don't you say hello, and then tell us where you're from.
1: Hello. Um Hello. I'm originally from Southern Illinois and in Indiana, um, now located in the Portland metro.
0: And what do you do? Why, why do we have you on?
1: Well, the reason I'm here today is because I am owner and uh, head writer for a small game company called Clocktower Game Studios.
0: Clocktower Game Studios. And I'm so excited to have you on to talk about this. Um, I've, I've been sort of stalking you online for the last couple of weeks and so I've watched uh, several of your videos, and so um, you have something that I think is very special, and and it fits, um, it's going to f- a part of the gaming community that is sort of missing, and uh, so I'm excited to be able to share that with our listeners today, I'm excited to give you the opportunity to talk about it. So um, let us, um, before we get there, uh, why don't you give us just kind of a brief history of you in gaming? What kinds of games have you enjoyed? Um, and what kinds of games have sort of inspired you along the way to get you to create your own game company?
1: Okay. Um, well, I started like so many people in the 90s uh, in high school with my little game group buddies that I ran around with uh, playing, of course, D&D and Magic, the bread and butter of the late 90s. Uh, started with <laughs> started with second AD&D uh, moved on mm-hmm. to three 3.5 Tried fourth and have played a few rounds of fifth um, But I've played a little of everything along the way I've played other card games besides magic I've played a ton of different RPGs. My my favorite RPGs are uh, The world of darkness games the classic ones from uh, white wolf game studios. Yeah, and uh, one of the things that has worked to my advantage in creating my own game and my own game company with my buddies, who sadly couldn't join us tonight, is uh, just that depth of experience in different game systems. And in particular for the game we've ended up with, one of the things that's helped with that is I've played a bunch of different games that use point-by systems based for, like, in, in particular, GURPS and uh, that particular system of creation. So that's, that's really helped towards this. And then uh, I would have been 2010 or so. I got involved in mini wargaming. And again, started with the typical. I had a game group in my hometown that got into 40K. And I jumped yeah. jumped in with both feet right in the middle of it. And nice. branched what, out through others here and there along the way.
0: What, what army did you play in 40K? Uh,
1: I started in 5th edition and jumped into Tau. Okay. Which was a terrible choice I got <laughs> Mopped so frequently And then uh, I moved on from Tau to playing um, I started with Tau, moved to Blood Angels And then played some Dark Angels And White Scars here and there I I basically ended up playing the same two Space Marine Armies regardless of Edition or Codex I played yeah. Bikers or jump, Just Mass Jump Infantry <laughs>
0: <laughs> Nice, yeah we have uh, a lot of our listeners uh, uh, play 40k or have 40k armies that they're working on, and uh, and we just finished um, a month long event called Backlogist. So, mm-hmm. August and backlog put together, right? Like and so uh, a lot of a lot of our listeners posted some great some great pictures of some of the armies they've been working on. So, uh, yeah um and and we a lot of us are getting into it again ninth edition is really sucking in a lot of people so that's cool i don't know if
1: i'll get back into 40k so much but uh i did just recently like the only like other people's game stuff i've bought recently has been uh the core book and the compendium for kill team that just came out so oh
0: nice Yeah, yeah the brand new edition yeah i haven't had a chance to look at it myself but Um, Um, Yeah. You just said something that's going to be interesting. Other people's games. (laughs) Uh, We're going to we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But um, why don't you give us the skinny? What's the lowdown on Seer? And um, and then I have a question. Is it an acronym? Is it not an acronym?
1: It is is an acronym. It's uh, Skirmish Encounter Elementary Roles. It's a little bit awkward when you put it out full like that, but it makes a nice abbreviation. That's kind of cool. So Seer is exactly what it's supposed to be on the tin. Uh, It's supposed to be, gameplay-wise, a very slick, streamlined rule set for gameplay. But where the real depth and complexity comes in is the creation system, which is the elevator pitch for it is basically whatever you want to play, whatever genre, as long as it's 28 to 32 millimeter scale, you can write a faction in a roster and play with it against whatever your buddy's got. Because, um, especially like Jeremiah, you were saying that uh, you've played a ton of different games and you've got a ton of different models. I'm sure. yeah, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Um, so everybody has their pet pet game that nobody else plays. At least that's the yeah. way it was back home. Like we all played 40 K, but then everybody had like bolt action or mm-hmm. Alifo or my favorite personally was Bushido, which is like a Japanese feudal fantasy game that like two other people in the country play.
0: <laughs> it's it's funny, a lot, I've heard of Bushido like being talked about on podcasts and I've even seen a couple of videos online of Bushido, but like, I know no one who actually plays like and so you're you're probably right it, it's uh it's i wish more people would play it so
1: yeah it's it's a depressingly small community but the models are gorgeous and with the uh, advent of 3d printers too and how much more common they're becoming uh, everybody's got access to a ton of different models and not all of them have games that they're yeah. you know, useful in and then finding people to play those games even if they do have a game can be hard. Yeah. So this helps like bring it all together.
0: So like so yeah, so let's actually do that. So let's say, you know, I actually find someone who has a Bushido army with models and <laughs> and they could they could make a faction with those models and and write a write a list and then I can take my Blood Angels for example
1: yeah. and
0: then in theory we could play against each other using the seer rules. That's correct. Okay. Why don't we get us started? What is the, how does that, in my mind, I'm going, how does that work? And, but obviously it does. And so tell us how.
1: Okay. So the, um, the creation system is based on a points by and it's in two steps. So the first step is you create your faction, which represents your military force, your civilization, your whatever group that's doing this action. So you could have space marines, you could have feudal samurai, you could have whatever you wanted in that slot. Yeah. So once you've established where you're from and in that step, you buy your technology level, you buy any stat modifiers, you buy any like tactical doctrines, anything that determines specifically how your little faction fights, then once you've established what rules essentially and abilities you unlock, you move on, <clears throat> excuse me you move on to roster creation which is where you actually get a team of guys and then you start giving them equipment and abilities that you buy with a separate uh, points pool and that's how you distribute the um, the rules that you unlocked in the faction creation across your team and that's called a roster and then your buddy who has completely different game completely different models makes their faction and roster and then that puts everything in essentially the same language. So you can sit down at the table and play with those two factions and rosters in a game where everybody uses the same rules.
0: So like, so in a, in a normal game, let's say I'm, you know, in War Machine, for example, a typical game is 75 points, right? So working backwards, if we were going to use the seer rules, you know, we would have, we would both agree, let's make a 75 point roster out of whatever faction we created. So like, do during roster creation, do you also have points or or yeah. is, that, is that more like more like RPG? Like when you're like creating the backstory of your character and like, what like, or is it both? I mean, I don't oh, know. You can,
1: you can go both ways with it. You can go yeah. really lore intensive to where you write some sort of history because the setting's really vague at the moment. We, that's part of why we haven't published anything I haven't really had time to sit down and write the full fluff or anything for it, Mm, but essentially it's a way to combine all this stuff and put it in the same place. But you can write an entire background for why your force is exploring the galaxy and encountering these other factions, or you can approach it the other way. It's like, I have these models. I want them to do X thing. (laughs) Yeah. So, which seems to be the more common approach is, Hey, I found this awesome model line. I want to play with it. Um, so then you start off, and the first thing you do is you pick a technology level, okay, which is zero through five. Zero being like feudal Renaissance era plate mail, like pike and shot tier stuff, but a little bit before gunpowder, but so more like medieval fantasy, where bows, arrows, swords, plate armor, and then you move yeah. up through technology to near future weapons. <clears throat> So the more technology, the higher your technology level is, the fewer other points you have to spend. And that's one of the ways it balances out is what tech level you pick out balances out how many points you have to spend on faction creation.
0: Oh, okay.
1: So that helps unlock and kind of keep tucked away and balance things. So your level zero technology guys, sure, they may have crap as far as basic gear goes but that helps them unlock magic that helps them unlock stat boosts and other kind of models and random other abilities and while the technology level five guys can still unlock some of that stuff they don't have access to nearly as much like they have to kind of pick and choose what they want out of those other abilities so it's 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 a trade-off but you know, it's it's hard to balance versus you know cavemen essentially versus sci-fi super soldiers. So you've got to have some way to narrow it down and make things more even. So it's fun to play.
0: Yeah. So let's say, um, so let's say I wanted uh, to go through the process of making my own faction, and and I chose tech level three or whatever, and yeah. and I sit down with my seer rules and and I like. How long would it take for me to create my faction? Um, Is that something I can do in in an afternoon or an evening?
1: So the first time you do it, it's going to be time consuming. Probably going to take an evening um, because there's a lot to read through. There's a lot of different options. We tried to cover as much as possible and be really comprehensive when we were writing it. And we kept adding on as we went to where it's like, hey, somebody had a great idea. Let's incorporate that. So there was a lot of adding into things that took time too. But uh, learning all of it is time consuming. But once you've learned what your options are and you kind of have a feel for what you want to do, it gets a lot faster and a lot easier to where we've had a a couple of our experienced play testers tell us that once they've learned the system, they can write a roster, a faction and a roster in 45 minutes and then be ready to sit down and play. Oh, wow.
0: Okay. that's not too bad at all
1: no um like i said it's it's really cumbersome at first there's a lot of upfront. you got to pick through a lot of options and fill in fill in the blanks and figure out what you even want to do but once you figured it out it gets a lot faster
0: yeah so when you're writing a roster what's a typical like with your play testers what's a typical point value that
1: they're playing at so the, the game system is based on tiers, and tiers determine how much uh, time it takes and how many models you get. Okay. So um, the way it starts is tier 0 and 1. Um, uh, tier 0 and 1 are 300-point rosters, so it's a very small list. And that also, your initial buy-in also determines how many bodies you get. Oh, so, Okay. So that's another way we've balanced like the cavemen versus the super soldiers is tier zero at tech level zero gets a lot more bodies on the field than tier zero versus tech level five. I yeah. think it ends up being tech level five, you end up with four bodies, tech level zero, you end up with six or seven because okay. we, we found that the number of bodies on the field on your side really does impact the gameplay. Yeah. Okay. So and then so tier one and zero are three hundred points, and it goes up to tier four, I believe. And tier four is like kind of our version of apocalypse, where you're borderline playing with a small army. And
0: okay. <laughs> and, and your um, your play testers, um, if they were to play a, a tier four apocalypse, that's four hour game, three. Hour-
1: uh, probably two. I mean, it's still okay. a relatively small model counts. You're only going to end up playing with probably on the high side, twenty to twenty five models at that level.
0: Oh, well, see, it's not that bad. Yeah, no,
1: it's it is built to be a skirmish game. Like even at the biggest game you play, you're not going to have fifty, yeah. sixty models on the table, and you'll never okay. get more than probably more than thirty. I think, but it, at thirty, you're probably going to have guys dropping like flies because they won't have armor, they won't have abilities. So yeah. if anybody looks at them wrong, they're just gonna kill over.
0: <laughs> that's fair. So, so how do you play? Um, one of the things that's very interesting to me is the d ten and and why the D ten. So um,
1: Well, we started with a D six, and the more we worked at it, because of how big the differences in things are and the way we wanted to balance things, it was really hard to keep it to where you could add more than a plus one or a plus two and keep it balanced. Basically, anytime we found that you were rolling a D6 and adding three or four to it, you basically auto succeed unless you roll a one. Oh, and so going up to a D10 made it to where you could add bonuses and penalties without having plus three be an auto success or minus three be an auto fail.
0: Okay. So if I were to, let's say, you know, um, I'm hiding the shadows and I'm going to shoot across the courtyard at, at a target. How many D10s am I rolling?
1: So that depends on what model you're rolling with and any special rules they have. Oh, okay. Your, your average line infantry guy is going to have one attack based okay. on just his normal weapon. Some weapons do get more shots. Some get fewer down to one obviously yeah but um so that's kind of how that's done is it, de- it depends a lot on the weapon and it depends on the character and then okay. special rules can add more attacks as well
0: okay so yeah so like i i think one of my one of my primary miniatures war games is uh you know war machine and hordes and it, the base role for most things is always 2d6 right and then you have the standard probability bell curve um but and then but then when i play you know warhammer i'm rolling buckets of d6s you know and i'm looking i'm looking for other things right yeah and so so to play seer i would be rolling a d10 yeah and multiples depending on as you said the weapon or the model yeah um and looking for a target number
1: yes it is based on a target number system there are some opposed rules as well where you actually roll and then Based on your target number, it's yeah. this many successes. How many did you have? And then they take away. So,
0: okay, that sounds awesome to me. I would, I'll try that. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, probably a little less swingy than a D twenty.
1: Yeah, D twenty seemed like it was just too much. Like you said, it was really swingy. Um, it made the die roll count almost too much. So. Yeah.
0: Have you, have you had a chance to play Frostgrave?
1: I have not. It, okay. it started to gain popularity right around, at least in the area I was in, right around the time COVID hit. And I, I never had a chance to jump in.
0: OK. That's a that's a minis agnostic game that um, I can write a warband for in, like, minutes. Uh, just enough exposure of you know playing it over and over again. And um, it uses a D20. And okay. and you have some spectacular successes, and you have some spectacular failures. So
1: yeah,
0: um, which brings me to my next question: uh, you have you use the D10, so the curve is probably a little more streamlined, it's maybe Yeah, a little narrower. But you have exploding features.
1: Yes. So there is six. <laughs> there are exploding crits. If you roll a 10 on some things, especially attack rolls, yeah, they generate more attacks. So oh, nice. instead of it being like instantaneously double, triple, whatever damage or having it do crazy things to where it's just insta-kill, <clears throat> it generates more attacks. So you have the opportunity to do more damage as opposed to just instantly giving your opponent.
0: <clears throat> I really like that. I like that a lot okay uh, the other thing that I really like is um, is it's more than a skirmish game um, you're rolling for more things than just combat and yeah. and so I want to tell us about how it interacts with the environment and 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 terrain and stuff that that seems <laughs> super cool to me so I want to hear more about that
1: so, one of the games that I was playing is my main skirmish game when I started this was there was a small game shop in my local area at the time that had done a uh, more time campaign and I really enjoyed Mordheim. time. <clears throat> so yes. I wanted to incorporate some of that and I wanted movement to feel more tactical and I didn't want at no point in the game. Should anybody feel like they're not doing something? <clears throat> so <clears throat> movement needed to be more tactical, needed to be more organic feeling and have a chance of failure at times. So there's mechanics built into the game for jumping from like, if you're in an urban environment, jumping from rooftop to rooftop or jumping up and down between levels. Uh, There's also interacting with dangerous terrain at times. Like we wanted to incorporate some of that. So you're fighting on a lava field. So don't fall in Uh, or, you know, um, the woods, the wooded area you're in happens to be like whomping willows. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) See, I like that. That's fun. So there's, that was one of the ways we wanted to address that was rules for things like movement. Uh, There's also built into the games how you can lock doors, open and close doors behind you. There's gear where you can literally padlock a door shut behind you if you go in. Um, So then you can kind of cut off and make people go around and use the terrain really effectively in your favor. And, you know, sometimes you don't end up with that luxury. You buy you the door locks for a point off your roster creation. And then you end up fighting in the woods, but you know, (laughs) these things happen.
0: Well, it's kind of like when you build your, you know, your D and D character, you know, no one really buys the 10 foot pole, (laughs) but when you have one and sometimes it's really helpful, you know,
1: (laughs) (laughs) there's always that one instance where you're like, I have the point. Why didn't I do it? Oh
0: yeah. I love I love old school D D and I I love I love the ten foot pole thing. So oh
1: yes, absolutely. You had to have one.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um so have you heard uh of uh Rain and Hell? Have you heard of this one yet?
1: Oh that's just recently came out, didn't it? It was yeah,
0: about, Yeah, Uncle Adam oh, uh, Vin- and, and Venturello. Venturello, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah so we're um we're running a uh campaign in our discord server with our listeners uh for the month of september and and october um using the rain and Hell rules and one of the things that i really like about the rain and Hell rules is the way that it handles initiative um and it's it sounds very it's similar to yours um but but different they use like a d12 or something to um, and you roll, and it's variant, whatever. And so, um, but your initiative system sounds to be honestly um, like a comp, like like I just get to feel like X Wing, the way the X Wing um, attack miniatures are, where every every ship had like it's like speed value, and you responded in in that order of things, and then you know, and and it was fun because it was. In the middle of the game it was one less variable and it was one less decision point that you had to make and um in the sense that it was it was just you're walking through the system so can you explain how you handle initiative and 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 i personally would love to find out how you came up with it okay Uh, because i think that's a unique part of your game too
1: well so we of course, all of us that were involved in this had played all kinds of different mini war games. And one of the, every game we played, one of the biggest complaints was my opponent goes, I lose half my army. Then it's my turn.
0: Yeah.
1: Nobody enjoys that experience on turn one. So we knew right off the bat, we wanted to do something different. Um, So then we started talking about it and going back and forth and we we brainstormed a bunch of different ideas, but we ended up on this because it makes your character in particular, because you have your your command model and it makes your command model and your special weapons guys and any of your specialists feel more important because they, as more experienced characters, go earlier in the the game round. So -hmm. the way it works is um, every model has an initiative stat that's assigned to them and that's usually based off their class, which is part of the roster creation. process. Um, You get X number of bodies that fit into these classes, and then you can modify the classes and their gear and everything. But part of that is the class determines their initiative, and generally the more experienced they are, the faster in the turn they go. So the initiative starts at 10 and counts down, and so higher initiative models go earlier, lower initiative models go later. So your standard command model, which is the leader of your army, goes at initiative, I think, six. But then you can go all the way down to, like, conscripts and summon creatures, which go at initiative two. So your experienced commander and then your specialists, your veterans would go next, and then your run-of-the-mill grunts and then your conscripts all go last, basically. Okay. And, of course, just like everything else, that can be modified in a dozen different ways, so...
0: Yeah. And I, and I like that. So let's say you and I both have um, a character that has initiative five. Uh, what happens in that on that event at that time?
1: So anytime there's a tie in initiative, which there will be, it's inevitable. Um, you roll off for all the characters at that level. Okay. So say I've got two guys, you've got three. You roll two dice one for each guy i roll two dice and for one for each guy and then it's highest to lowest within that die roll so okay. that's where the d10 comes in on that so there are some tiebreakers, but you won't have huge gaps where generally speaking you know one player won't activate their entire army and then the other player
0: yeah yeah that's true yeah okay and and so since initiative is handled that way Like, how do you define turns? Like, what happens on my turn when it's my turn? What happens on your turn when it's your turn? And, like, is there, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, is there, like, a cleanup and a setup phase or something?
1: So I think what you're getting at is basically how to, like, persistent effects work and how how do you basically count, like, what is a game turn? Yeah, which is exactly how we've defined it is. Uh, each initiative count from ten to zero is a game turn. Okay. And so each model, each basically each player turn is an activation, and the game turn lasts from initiative ten to zero. Every model on the table has been activated, and at the end of that, then you do a cleanup phase. Okay. Um, there are some effects like spell type effects where things last from that character's activation to its next activation.
0: Oh, yeah, okay. <clears throat> okay. And then if things die in the middle, then its activation can come sooner, right? Yep. <laughs> <For a minute. laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So that would so I think that would take that's more of a mindset and it's not like a big change. It's more of a mindset change, I think in terms of how to handle a game turn.
1: Um, uh, it's it's almost more it's almost more in definition as and functionality wise in the same vein as a uh, a combat round in an RPG where you roll for yes. initiative everybody counts from top to bottom and everybody goes at their initiative within that combat turn but then that was still only one round of combat
0: yeah that's <laughs> a good equivalent right there that makes sense okay. Yeah, so let's circle back on that, or let's build off of that real quick. Okay. Um, it it does see your support campaign style play. Like, if I play a game with you, do I get to add XP to my captain? Or if someone dies, do I have to roll in a death table? Like, how do you how do you handle that sort of thing?
1: That's actually what I'm writing rules-wise right now. I'm in the <laughs> middle of adding that in because that's that's been an ongoing every every time I talk to anybody, that's what they want. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, especially like our our lead playtester and uh, the the one like constantly active playtest group. His feedback has always been campaign rules. We want to do campaigns. This is you know the system really lends itself well to it. Give yeah. us campaign rules. So that's what I'm working on now.
0: <laughs> I really get that vibe too, um, and and I'm a, I'm a big fan of campaign play. I mean, I'm happy to set up and and mash face with someone, but like, but but I love playing scenarios, and I love you know if there's like a story that goes behind it, and um, yeah. I, and I think that's one of the reasons why I love you know Frostgrave a lot, and um, it really took to it. So me me and my boys would play that you know, just on our dining room table and you know, and when we first started playing, like our terrain was like Lego pieces and <laughs> you know and things like that. And we've we've leveled up a little bit there. But yeah. um as as one does. Yes. So
1: <laughs> that brings okay. back uh, fond memories of kitchen tables covered with uh yeah. soda cans and boxes and <laughs> yeah.
0: So owning a game company being the lead writer for for the game um, leaves you uh, pretty busy because you also work full time and stuff like that. And so sure. you don't have a whole lot of time. Um, are there, and I want to circle back to something you said in the beginning about other people, other people's games. And so yeah. are there other games that are out there that um, uh, that that sort of inspire you, that you like, are there the games that, um, or, or the games that you currently still play every now and then or whatever? Um, I so, don't know. Uh,
1: wow, that's such a complicated question for me. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I I play some things because they're just fun and I get a kick out of playing them. And then other things I do get kind of inspiration from, they'll give me ideas or They'll kind of point me in cool new directions for things I want to do. Yeah, and that's one of the reasons I obviously, with the last two years, I haven't really had as much opportunity. But one of the reasons I like to try and stay current on mini wargaming world in general is just knowing what other people are putting out, knowing what other things are possibilities, and kind of seeing how the how the world has changed in the mini wargaming community since i started with this back in 2014 is just awe-inspiring when we started when uh, my buddy chris is the one that brought me into it it was his idea originally but it was just a one-page firefight simulator at the time um he brought me in and it was just like there was nothing on the nothing on the market like it there were no agnostic games everything if you had a game you had minis and so time it's like we should do this but we should do it big and we should do it right and that's where we started running away with things and ended up with a full on rule book and um, so that's where it started but as far as like games I just love to play I, I will always love a D20 based RPG um, Yeah. Um, my current kind of obsession in that realm is Starfinder it's like the right blend of fantasy and sci-fi for me I really enjoy yeah. that Um, But I haven't even got to play that for more than a year now. Uh, Yeah. And then I haven't played any mini war games in what feels like forever. The last one I played was Seer right before uh, Wenatchee locked down last March in 2021 or 2020. Oh, Um, wow. Yeah. So I haven't played. Yeah. It's been a minute. (laughs) Yeah. And then... um, well, I mean, we relocated down here from up there, and yeah. didn't know anybody? Everything was closed down, so couldn't go to stores to meet anyone. Yeah, it made it really hard to get into a game group at all. Uh, and then card games—I I used to play Magic a ton, loved it. it. Was semi-competitive at it when I had time to be, but I don't like a lot of the business decisions that have gone on with it recently, and I haven't been buying or playing cards, but. I will forever love older magic. It was yeah. probably my first gaming love.
0: Yeah. No, I, I like to ask that, you know, um, we, you know, we we a, pr- a primarily a miniatures war game podcast, but we play all the games, you know, yeah. I'm part of a, re- before COVID, I was part of a regular board game group that met, you know, quarterly and, you know, and, We were playing Commander, and you know, and and then, and of course, I had a regular RPG group I was part of, and so you know, playing all the games, and yeah, you know, and this last weekend, my son and I just participated in a Road to Nationals event for uh, one of the newer card games, Flesh and Blood.
1: Yep, (laughs) and man,
0: was that a blast! So, um, yeah, so we love all the games here, and we respect all the
1: games, yeah. I've uh, I've dipped a toe into flesh and blood. I bought a uh, six packs, I think, and I've kind of poked at it, but I haven't really had a chance to dig into it. And
0: off mic, let's talk. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll talk to you I'll talk to you through it. So
1: that sounds great.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. Well, and as far as like miniature war games go, like my son and I play. Like we both had you know Malico armies and Age Sigma armies and and War Machine Hordes Armies and like, and during COVID, I mean, we live in the same house and we couldn't even like get a game going because it was just like, there was just so low motivation and energy. Like, um, you know, it was a hard year for a lot of us. So, um, what I'm seeing is, is there's, there's definitely a hunger for, like more games but what i'm seeing in the out in the community is people being intentional about who they want to game with yeah. and and the games that they want to play and i think and i think some of that is in response because you know last summer a year ago a lot of us were doing retail therapy and all the game companies were like trying to just offload their, their stuff anywhere and yeah. so, there's so many sales you know and so people People like me and we're just buying all these things and things that we would never had a vision for for seeing the table and and then now we've sat on it for a year and and we realize that that gaming time is going to be at a premium and so um, I'm excited about a project like Seer um, because it does it does. M- you know, fit that niche. It, it does something that a lot of other games don't do. Um, and it's something that um, we can already do because we already have models.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so my question for you is, and, and I want to be hopeful here, you know, we're coming out of something eventually, maybe. <laughs> um, what would you like to see happen for Clock Tower Games and... What would you like to see happen for your game, Seer?
1: Well, thanks to the last couple of years, that's a you know, like you said, it's been hard on everybody, and things have had to adapt as we've gone. Um, yeah. Ideally, I would love to have it put out. As at this point, I just want to do a, a rule book. Um, last year, or the yeah, last year, whenever I was really focused on it and hitting it hard. I got laid off in March. So I had a ton of time and then just things started popping up. Family stuff happened and we ended up relocating for my new job. And my new job is really time consuming and stressful. So I had to dial back plans a little bit. So at this point, I just want to put out a good finished polished set of rule books. That's just going to be, it's sold as a one thing is what I'm thinking now, but for ease of play and reference, I want to break it up into two separate actual physical books. Yeah. Where you've got a creation book that's your faction and roster creation, and then a book that's the rules of gameplay. Nice. Sell them as a bundle. Keep it easy. Um, yeah. L- last year, this time, I was like hard charging into a two player starter set with card stock punch out terrain and would have been awesome. I had, I even had some friends on board. We were doing actually working on design work and figuring out what we needed. But at this point, I, I just want to put out a book and have it be yeah. up to the standards that I would want to buy it if I saw it.
0: Yeah. I would want to see that happen and I would want to buy it from you. And then I would want to play.
1: <laughs> well, that's, that's really good to hear, actually. Um, I have to admit um, the anxiety of having seen, like I said earlier, there was a time when I started this with Chris that there was nothing else even remotely like it on the market. And then over time, especially the last like three years, there's been just more and more agnostic games come out where minis don't matter. It's just what you want to play. Yeah. So that design space where we were had all the freedom in the world because nobody else was doing it is very quickly starting to pile up. So yeah. I'm not going to lie and say that hasn't occurred to me and there's some anxiety about it. But I still think we have a good product and a good game that is just going to yeah. be fun.
0: Yeah. I th- Well, I think um, having having purchased or, and or read a lot of those minis agnostics rules, um, I think that um, some of the the RPG elements that are included in your game that are not included in those other games. Um, still sets yours apart and so like I can I can see you know me and and my gaming group um, you know putting together a nice Saturday afternoon around this and stringing together a few Saturdays in a row you know or once a month for several months in a row as we as we work through whatever campaign it is you're writing so um yeah so um yeah this is good I, I I like this so um, so for everyone who's listening, um, what is the best way to follow your work? Um, like when, when things get out there, how are we going to know? So,
1: so as things have started to pick back up, cause I, we've started to really settle in here and I'm starting to finally get out and meet people more and be able yeah. to play games. And it's really hard to write when you're not actually playing anything. It makes it really difficult, but I, and I update Instagram fairly regularly with just hobby work, whatever I'm working on. Uh, anything seer related that I'm working on gets posted to there. And that's uh, at Clocktower Game Studios. And then you can also find us on Facebook, also at Clocktower Game Studios. And we have a YouTube channel which sadly hasn't been updated at all this year. I did two videos at the very early part of the year and then haven't had a, time, a chance to really get back into it, but getting things set back up to get started on that again and get back into doing project work and playing games and doing development stuff. So as I start digging back into doing those sorts of projects and having space and time to do it, there's going to be more of that ramping up. And I'm, I'm nice. very hopeful for getting things organized and started and ready to go Within the next couple of months, and then hitting it again hard early next year, and being able to start really pushing and making progress again.
0: Nice. Well, I would love to have a follow up because I would um, I would love to be able to to you know promote it when it comes out and to let all my listeners know, hey, here it is, and we can play and and so uh, I'm as you can tell, I'm pretty excited about your project. So, <laughs> Which
1: makes me really happy to hear. Cause- <laughs> That's uh that's the goal, right? You want to make yeah. a game that other people enjoy playing and yeah, one hundred. So Yeah, that was one of the big inspirations is you know, I've I've played games through some really tough times in my life and that's helped got, get me through and having something to sink time into, both hobby-wise and gameplay wise with some good friends, that's that's what it's all about. And I just want to push something out there that people enjoy.
0: That's right, that's right. Well, um, we always like to end our interview uh with the, going to the hobby desk and so i want to first thank you for being here and for having this conversation with me um and uh this is uh just just having the conversation is making me happy so uh, but um but let's go to the hobby desk what kinds of things are you building and painting right now
1: oh all of it <laughs> <laughs> so um Kind of the core setting that I've got right now for my personal little bit of the seer universe, I'm calling Neo-Nagoya. It's in part inspired by, I did a study abroad semester in Nagoya, Japan. And so I'm incorporating a lot of like building styles and a lot of like random things that were in that city into a really densely packed urban terrain board. And you can find a bunch of that on YouTube, my build updates as I've been working on it. So nice. there's a whole playlist on our YouTube channel. that's just that. Um, so I'm still working on that. I've got a building in progress that's doing, uh, it's kind of this terraced, like three tiered building. That's got a stairwell that wraps around the outside of it and has interior lighting, which would be really cool. So I'm working on that. And then as far as minis, I have just finished up um, some infinity models that I've been sitting on for like three or four years. Nice. I just finished painting those and they are some of the best work I've ever done. So I'm really excited about them.
0: <laughs> nice. Nice.
1: My, my first attempt at OSL is in there and actually didn't turn out like trash. So <laughs>
0: Very good. Take that one to the bank. I like that.
1: Yeah. And then there's uh, as far as like what I'm actually getting ready to start working on now that I just wrapped that up is uh, I'm going to build a couple kill teams, armies, uh, rosters. I've got, uh, I managed to a couple weeks ago at the mind taker minis um, yard sale. I I picked up a box of primaris that had a bunch of random stuff in it. So I'm going to paint them up like some celestial lions and go play some kill team to blow off steam and, kind nice. of get back into mini gaming myself.
0: <laughs> nice. Yeah. Big fan of MindTaker. We love MindTaker.
1: No, so, they, they were fantastic. That yard sale was a lot of fun.
0: Yeah. I wasn't able to go this year. Um, uh, again, it just, it was uh, just, I fell on an odd weekend for me where I had a bunch of stuff going. So yeah, I've got a few things on my hobby desk. Um, mostly some blood angel things that I'm, I need to paint. Um, I recently went through and magnetized their bases so I can put them on on a magnet rack. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's nice. Everything but the vehicles all fit on a nice magnet rack. Um, But I also like to do eBay rescuing, and so I've got some uh, broken Signar models uh, that have been sent to me, and they arrived over the weekend, and so I'll probably do some repair work and some color matching, um, so yeah. I found that that's actually probably my favorite part of the hobby. Um, I don't mind building and don't mind painting, but I actually really like repairing things. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I don't know why that is. So, uh, So if you break it, I'll fix it. And
1: good to know. <laughs> um... Meanwhile, anytime I break a model, it's an excuse to start kit bashing stuff.
0: Yeah. um, And that's funny is I've never really kit bashed before. And so I feel like maybe that's the next step for me in my hobby journey. So figuring out how to do that. So
1: if you enjoy repairing models, I bet you'd really enjoy kit bashing. It's it's one of the ways where it can be really creative. And you get to do a lot of things you just want to do.
0: Yeah, I bet. So, Well, uh, as again, thank you so much, uh, Steve, for coming on and, and having this conversation with me. Um, I want to thank all of our listeners for, uh, for joining us today. You can find Clock Tower Game Studios at clocktowergamestudios.com. And the website is really easy to navigate, and all the links are there as well. You can find us at spellstoreminiatures.com and i want to personally invite you to join us in our discord server because that's where a lot of the life is around our community and uh, i mentioned earlier some of the campaigns that we have going on uh, right now with the rain and hell uh, rule set Uh, one day i would love to have a seer campaign that we host in our discord server Uh, but we have the monthly book club and then we also have the weekly paint party and then, of course, this week I'll be announcing the winners of the most recent drawing. And so um, thank you, everyone, for being a part of the conversation. And I will catch you next time. Thanks for having me.
1: We hit stop, so.